What's happening, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in to the Carbide Podcast. Crazy to think we're on episode 10 already. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Spencer Delabriere, and I'm your host. My two biggest passions in life are history and snowmobiles, and I've melded the two into a podcast where we focus on racing and industry topics, both from present day and some of the glory days of the sport. Speaking of the glory days, the sport of snowcross is relatively young in the grand scheme of things. People will always say that snowmobile racing started when the second guy in town bought a sled. But snowcross as a discipline is really a mid to late 90s phenomenon. A lot of names have played significant roles in the evolution of the sport, whether it's riders, engineers, marketing professionals. But one name will always come up no matter who you ask. His impact on the sport can be felt in so many ways. Riding style, suspension geometry, even how we promote our top riders. The man is an icon in the world of snowmobiling and I'm beyond stoked to have had the opportunity to chat with him. So without further ado, please enjoy my interview with the great 7C, Blair Morgan. Welcome back, everybody, to the Carbide Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. On the line tonight, he's a man who needs no introduction, but I will do my best to give him one anyway. Three-time CMRC national champion, five-time X Games gold medalist, second all-time in national snowcross wins, 13 national points championships to his name. He is Superman. He's Blair Morgan. How are we doing, Blair? Doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. So famously, Blair, you kind of got into snowcross later in your life, you know, despite all the success, it was kind of a later add to your portfolio. So grew up really heavily focused on moto and your moto career. So I guess we're going to start there. What's the earliest memory for you in, in motocross and what kind of got you hooked on that sport? Um, yeah, you're right. I was very late to snowcross. Um, I raced motocross, you know, a lot of years before that even started so um earliest memory is uh so i have an older brother that kind of got me into it and uh um just traveling to the races and probably my very very first race i was leading up until the last lap and then i got passed um in the last corner and i think i was crying my eyes out after that race <laughs> that was my probably my earliest memory of racing <laughs> oh, well i mean it still sounds like it it started off good and it was a it was enough to get you hooked for sure yeah, well, yeah, I shouldn't be too upset about, like, you know, first race ever, leading it, and then, you know, getting second, you know, that's, I shouldn't drive over that at all. So, were you kind of, I mean, besides that first race, once you kind of got drawn into it, was it something you were taking seriously right off the bat, or was it still just something you really enjoyed? Yeah, I think it all starts as, you know, um, something fun. Um you know, I grew up on a farm, so we always had dirt bikes and snowmobiles around, and and uh, yeah, I guess it's just uh, kind of a natural evolution of like you just kind of start out, have fun, go to a few races, and then you kind of go to a few more races the year next, and then all of a sudden you start you know winning some races, and then uh, you know it just goes on from there. Start you know moving up through the amateur ranks, and then you know you turn pro, and then you start doing well at pro, and you know it's kind of happens into a career really that's happened to me 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's you know, I've talked to some some retired snowcross guys, and when they look back, they're like it really was like the blink of an eye. Like before you know it, you're like, oh man, I just remembered starting off, and now I'm pro, and now it's my life. It's it's crazy how time flies. Yes, definitely. So as you were growing up on the amateur side, was was it super competitive there in in Saskatchewan, or did you have to kind of travel out outside of your area to find some real competition in moto? Yeah, I definitely had to start traveling further distances. Um, um, in province next to us, Alberta, you know, there's larger mm-hmm. cities and larger population, and and then I did travel to like um, the Canadian amateur nationals stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, that's when it started, you know, going well for me. You know, just getting into the, some bigger competitions. You know, obviously it's pretty easy to win in your home. The little sandbox as mm-hmm. you know you get into the bigger sandboxes it's a little bit harder to win so um you know i, I was able to you know just carry on uh, my success into like some bigger races so um yeah i definitely had to like start traveling pretty far distances to start being uh, getting to the bigger stuff so around this time blair you're kind of you're moving up in, in the amateur ranks and you can see like a pro career on the horizon but i'm curious I know what Canadian moto is like now. There's a handful of guys that are that are truly making a career out of being moto. They're not killing it financially, but it is like their full-time job. As you were looking at it as a teenager, could you truly make a, a career racing moto in Canada? Or was it kind of like paying for your life in the summertime, but then you'd still have to have a job in the winter or something like that? Yeah, you know, like obviously I was really young still. And, you know, I obviously had support from my my parents um to do this racing and um kind of like i think my dad gave me like an ultimatum you know you gotta make this work <laughs> or else you gotta yeah. like start finding a, a real job right mm-hmm. so i ended up um you know actually moving to ontario okay and you know getting a pretty good deal and you know winning the canadian motocross championship stuff uh in the late 90s and uh you know it was pretty pretty good you know it was um you know it was enough to make a living at it and uh i kind of started into the snowcross around the same time too so mm-hmm. um you know it was kind of successes kind of coincided with each other so around this time too the canadian moto is it's pretty competitive there are there are some fast guys around this time as you're as you're going through the pros was the goal again when you're still sticking to moto and you're not truly interested in snow yet was the goal to stay racing and racing moto in Canada, or did you have any aspirations of, of venturing down to race in the U S I think everybody <clears throat> has a goal to make it to the U S and, um, yeah, before the snowmobile thing, I would have loved to, um, gone into the U S and, you know, tried my, tried, you know, went to doing, you know, a full series down there. And uh, I just like as I was just I think getting good enough to do pretty decent down there, I started to do the snowmobile thing. So then that kind of put the whole motocross thing into like a backseat a little bit, you know, because um, the, the, the snowmobile thing kind of became really successful. And but uh, I still was able to do you know you know just the summer stuff, you know, which is mm-hmm. still I think that was maybe. Why I kind of stayed in Canada, I was able to still do the Canadian Nationals and then race the whole um, Supercross circuit. So I was, I was able to do both. But, you know, to do a full Supercross outdoor series in the U.S., I would 
definitely not been able to do that. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a, a tight schedule, even even if you were full time. Yeah, oh, it would conflict big time. <laughs> yeah, one so, or the other. So, kind of going through those those last couple years before you dive into snow. Like I said, there's some fast guys racing in Canada. Like, kind of who are your who are your biggest rivals around that time racing moto in Canada? Um. Well, JSR uh, like Jean Sebastian Roy was probably the biggest. Uh, Rival, me and him, where we were actually teammates at the, at the time, and uh, but, you know there was actually a lot of uh, American guys that would come up and race um, mm-hmm. in Canada, like Mike Craig mm-hmm. came up, uh, Craig Decker, um, you know the Johnson guys, Keith Johnson. Um, there was a Mike Treadwell. There was a lot mm-hmm. of guys that came mm-hmm. up and raced. So like in the kind of like the late nineties more like maybe into the early 2000s there was a lot of like sean hamblin sean hamblin was up there um there was a lot of actually fast u.s guys that came up and raced yeah that's uh that's really cool you know it's just this part's off script a little bit but that's super cool when when you see that because a lot of times we see just the u.s series kind of just robbing talent from all these other places so i like when it's a little more evenly spread out with with guys in different series yeah well that's um you know, obviously, yeah, like the U.S. series is the best by far, no question about that. Um, you know, the Canadian series is it was pretty decent. You know, it was just a little more laid back, I guess you could say. It wasn't so mm-hmm. serious, so it was kind of maybe nice that way. Um, a little less pressure. So mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, obviously the best was AMA stuff in the U.S. and all the Europeans, everybody who wanted to be the best had to come there. Absolutely, absolutely. So through this period, Blair, transitioning a little bit more into snow, you would always use snowmobiling as kind of a cross training tool in the in the winter back home. And I'm sure you kind of figured it out pretty quickly and you were pretty fast on your own practice track. But when did you really kind of give racing a shot, even at a local level? Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, like even like years and years before, um, Snowcross was even kind of a thing. I, I honestly would ride my snowmobile on my motocross tracks in the wintertime, just not even for really cross training, but just for fun. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we were a big snowmobiling family. And, uh, you know, and then I started seeing some videos, you know, of like Duluth, you know, uh, Kirk Hibbert, Brad Pick, kind of funny hiking and type of stuff. And we were seeing that and be like, oh, that would be pretty cool to try that. And then, then we kind of had some local races, snow crosses, and I thought, oh, I'll try that. Like, that would be pretty fun. Just try a couple of local races, see how that would go. And uh, and I'm not too sure. I think it was because I had such a strong moto background at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I was just really aggressive and stuff. And I was I was winning pretty pretty decently, you know, on the local mm-hmm. scene. And, and, then, uh, and then it came down to... Uh, doing a couple bigger races and then my big debut was in west yellowstone yeah and that was a that's a pretty iconic weekend for you too because you kind of come out of nowhere and nobody really knows who you are cat brings you down just to kind of see if you'd be interested in pursuing it a little bit and then you end up just racing the pro class winning your heats finish second uh behind kirk hibbert in the final and that was kind of like your your initial like hey who's this guy like your coming out moment there so that was that's always a cool story to, to read about that week that weekend yeah it was awesome um 
I was actually supposed to ride like the semi-pro class, mm-hmm. and I remember like watching. Not too sure. I was watching a few guys ride, and I thought like, you know what? I want to I want to race pro because the the payout was more too. So, and I thought you know I, I could probably make it. You know, in, you know maybe mid pack in the in the pro class. I think I want to try that. And uh, and my manager at the time, Jamie, you know, he had me signed up for. A pro uh, semi pro so mm-hmm. i convinced him to let me do that and uh yeah i ended up hole shotting like my heat races and uh winning all my heat races so and had a pretty good uh pick for the final and i honestly probably should have won but i ended up um i was racing arena crosses at the time and i okay actually broke my shoulder a couple months mm-hmm. before that so i was pretty pretty gassed at the time especially being the first time i kind of altitude racing too so mm-hmm. I, I got really tired and um you know kirk went by me and and i was like you know what getting second behind kirk was just like winning so i just let him <laughs> yeah, go by <laughs> so was that kind of the moment like did you actually kind of consider like going all in on snow or were you still kind of reluctant because you had this moto career that you were really pursuing yeah i was i was very Reluctant, especially at that time. <clears throat> so that was yeah, spring of '97, and then that next summer, I won like the Canadian motocross title, mm-hmm. you know, pretty pretty handedly. So, um, and then I know I uh, Articat wanted me to come back for the winter, and uh, and yeah, it was kind of like a big decision of like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try the snowmobile thing. You know, it was uh, it was kind of new and different and exciting, and I was ended up. You know, getting like a, a pretty good ride for Articat. No salary or anything, but just mm-hmm. the prize money was really, really good. So mm-hmm. um, I thought, yeah, I'll just, you know, might as well try it. You know, they want me to do it. And actually, they're, they're pretty much <laughs> not forcing me, but like, they really, really wanted me to race. So <laughs> I, uh, I was like, okay, I'll, let's do it. So I ended up, uh, yeah, going into, I think, uh, Duluth and winning and then yeah just snowballed from there just winning races and yeah it was a great time yeah it was it's crazy like in some of my research to to go back and find these dates and things like that just again coming out of nowhere like after that Yellowstone round everybody's like oh yeah maybe he kind of had like a fluke thing and he had a fast moment and then you come out in Duluth and it's like no no this this guy's legit and this guy's gonna be a problem for sure yeah, I think I kind of caught a lot of like the the seasoned veterans off guard. You know, it was kind of around the same time where like Ricky kind of changed the sport. Where mm-hmm. I took it really serious, and I wasn't out like a lot of these guys were out at the bar like the night before the race, and mm-hmm. you know, not taking it that seriously. And and I was you know training and and like going to bed early and just doing everything right. You know, just kind of that next level. And uh, I think that really caught a lot of these guys off guard. And Know, just being in better shape and just technically better everywhere than these guys and it definitely paid off yeah those next couple years like there was there was a lot of talent in the series you know you look at the the chris vincent's the tony heikinen's of the world like there was a lot of really fast guys but it was still a lot of really dominant races for you blair like it was still everybody was sitting down so you were still noticeably quicker in in rough sections and jumps and things like that so those next couple of years were were really successful for you. Yeah, it was. Um, like I said, like a lot of these guys, like you know, like uh, you know, 
Chris Vincent, Tony Heikinen, you know, they're really fast, but they just kind of lacked maybe discipline a little bit. And, uh, you know, I was doing everything I could to do everything right and just be that next level guy and, you know, um, just training harder and, uh, you know, just being stronger and, and I could see their weaknesses and, and, you know, um, that was kind of key, I guess, is that, uh, kind of caught these guys off guard a little bit. Mm -hmm. So going into the 2002 season, Blair, again, it's hindsight's 2020. It all makes sense now. But at the time when it was announced that you were moving over to race Skidoo and your own program from the consumer side, we didn't know the rev was coming. We didn't know what was in store, but it was, so it was kind of a shock for a lot of people. You know, he's had all these years on cat, extremely successful. What's he doing? How did that discussion with Skidoo start for you initially? Um, well, obviously, you know, when you, you get to the race series, um, you get to know everybody, you know, like all the team managers and, uh, from like the Polaris, Skidoo, Cat, even Yamaha at the time, you know, always talked mm -hmm. with everybody and, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, the Skidoo thing. Yeah. I, I was able to actually, we went to Quebec and actually looked at the new sled and, you know, um, I had a great relationship with Articat. And, uh, it was kind of at the time as we, it was me and Tucker there and mm -hmm. <clears throat> it was, you know, we were, I think we won like every single race that one year, yeah. I think in the one. And, uh, we were pretty dominant with, uh, with the cat and, and I think when I raced the cat, it was definitely the best sled out there for sure. And then this new rev came out and yeah, for sure that changed everything. Um, I, you know, just saw an opportunity, you know, like. You know, I'm really great friends with Tucker, and I still am. And um, we just, uh, I don't know, maybe there wasn't enough room uh, at CAT for both of us. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and with Tucker kind of one of their own homegrown guys, you know, with Kirk being working there and stuff, uh, I think. Uh, and then just even having, like, our own team, you know, we were kind of, mm -hmm. like, handcuffed to a lot of different sponsors and just what we could do as a team. And mm -hmm. it was just a win-win for us to just have our own team and just have our own sponsors and just run our own show. I would imagine too, when you first head over there to, to Valcor and you first lay eyes on that, that prototype rev with your moto background. And like we've talked about just your riding style. I bet when you looked at that thing, you're like, Oh man, I, I, I need this thing like right now. Yeah, definitely. You know, that was the biggest thing. Um, you know, obviously talked with a lot of engineers all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I always kind of wanted something like that. Like it was almost like that's something that I was describing was basically the rev and then the, the see it without even like talking to the ski guys and, uh, was pretty amazing actually. So you mentioned some of the benefits of kind of having your own team based around you, but even that is is a huge undertaking you know we we see it from time to time in in snowcross with guys having their own team based around them but a lot of times it's it's you know it's a family team it's family money there's no real i wouldn't say risk involved but you know what i mean in your in your case i mean that's a you're still fairly early in your snowcross career you have a new you know it's a new oem for you it's a new chassis i would imagine that was still a little scary to bring on that entire team dynamic for you that early in your career 
Yeah, I definitely was. You know, I just had the right people, um, you know, uh, working with the right people. And, you know, I had, like, a team manager that could run everything and then, uh, you know, business managers and, and stuff like that that, you know, I didn't have to really take care of the day-to-day stuff, which I mm-hmm. that was, like, my idea of, like, you know, I have to focus on my racing. I can't mm-hmm. you know, be booking flights and worrying about, you know, the trucks on the road and, like, maintenance and stuff like that. I just want to focus on my racing. You guys take care of everything else. That's mm-hmm. how that's how it was in you know, yeah, obviously it's really tough to run these teams. There's so many little things that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, like I said, like you know, tires for the, the semi trucks, like just everything, maintenance, <laughs> stuff that no one person can do at all. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And these are some of the more like really, truly competitive years I feel like in your career, Blair, just because you're still extremely fast and kind of a, a cut above everybody else, but the OEMs are catching up in terms of, you know, chassis development. The rev isn't, it starts out like on its own level, but everybody slowly kind of creeps up to that level and tries to get there. And now all these guys are also riding a similar style to you. So I feel like once you switch to Skidoo and then Cat has the the Firecat chassis for Snow Pro and then Polaris comes out with the IQR, those are some really, really competitive years that we see some some iconic moments in snowcross racing. Yeah, yeah, definitely wasn't as easy, you know, when those guys started coming out with better snowmobiles. And, uh, you know, obviously, I think Skidoo kind of forced their hand mm-hmm. to come up with something. And, uh, you know, and obviously guys like Tucker are awesome riders. And there's some other guys coming in, like, you know, Sean Crapo, Carl Kuster, and, and uh, you know, lots of guys, you know, were starting to take it more serious. And it was kind of a new generation that came in there. And, uh yeah, it was definitely, it was getting harder and harder to uh, win. Yeah, d- despite that competitiveness, though, Blair, I mean, you still rack up a, a number of, of, you know, a couple more championships. This is when we kind of see the, the peak of some of your X Games success during this time period. And at least for me, you know, I was, I'm 27 now. So during this time period was like when I first got exposed to, to Snowcross. So like my, it showed up on, uh, on, isoc's youtube channel like last year but i i made up to valcor in like uh what 2004 2005 something like that where i think you passed i think it was extram like in the last corner like you were second second the whole race and then passed them in the last corner so like that (laughs) that period of time to me like you had success on cat you'd have success later on the xp chassis but like these first gen rev races these are these are like peak Blair Morgan in my mind. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and obviously that's kind of my peak, my peak age, you know, I was, mm-hmm. you know, 20 mid twenties, you know, I think that's when you're kind of like the strongest and, you know, the smartest or whatever. Right. And you're not going backwards like after 30. So yeah, <laughs> definitely was the right time for that. And, uh, yeah, I remember that race. Yeah. I remember it was like, we both disappeared into a cloud of snow and then I came yeah. out. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> i did that a few times to some people <laughs> oh that's that's awesome it's it's cool you remember that because there's i mean you talk to like the like there was an episode of the pulp mx show with kevin windham the other day dude remembers nothing absolutely nothing from his okay. from his from his moto career like <laughs> nothing so it's it's right. cool when, when guys can really look back and appreciate some of the iconic moments they had i i really can appreciate that 
Yeah, if someone like mentions it, you know, I don't really think about it all the time, but if someone like mentions um like a certain event, I can kind of remember and uh, you know, I have a really photographic memory, so I can kind of mm -hmm. picture it even too. So um but a lot most of the races, you know, I I can remember, uh, you know, and, you know, just such uh, you know, we're out there I don't know how many races a year and doing like 30 maybe oh, like yeah. 50 laps on the track each time and <laughs> So yeah, just a few iconic moments you can remember. For sure. For sure. So kind of going into into 08 Blair, I was, you know, in the research that you had you'd planned on stepping away from Snowcross. Like that was in the grand scheme, that was what you were planning to do around that time. You're like, I you know, I've been racing for a long time and and at this point you're still, you know, a number of those years that we saw you with all your success in snow, you were also racing moto all summer. So your body's been through it you know, for 10 years straight, plus you started a family. So you were kind of looking to step away at that time, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We actually was on, we were on our last year of ski do and, uh, we weren't, um, going to renew our contract. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, 30, 32 at the time. And, you know, I was kind of, you know, yeah, I had young family kind of just, wanted to maybe focus on that you know obviously i've been hurt a few times and you know the risk of that and um but then that summer i actually was still yeah really you know focusing on motocross you know 100 percent. and i was even actually thinking of maybe doing like a full season of motocross oh really uh at that time and uh and i i kind of did a bit of a last minute deal with uh actually boss racing uh, really? robbie malinowski he was supposed to be my teammate so we actually like at heydays that year finalized like that i was gonna race snowcross that winter hmm okay yeah so i was yeah kind of retired and then i kind of came back out of it you know just uh you try it like a new new team it wasn't gonna be my team you know just kind of needed to change the scenery i think too at the time mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that was basically two weeks before i got hurt hmm. yeah that's 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 a great bench racing question that I'm sure people take away. Blair Morgan, boss racing. Love, would have loved yeah. to have seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have been cool. We've been having Robbie as a teammate and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to be honest, I wasn't very happy with, the, with the Skidoo's at that time, like that mm -hmm. XP chassis, especially. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, just wanted to try something new. Yeah. It's fair. So we're not going to cover it in depth, Blair, like I had said, but it's just part of the timeline. Montreal Supercross 08, you, you crash and it's becomes a, you know, obviously a very significant point in, in your life, but we're going to, we're going to move past it. So, you know, after that accident though, Blair, we didn't really see you around for a long time. And I'm sure it was, you know, just, just mentally getting yourself, getting yourself straight in, in your new life and what that's going to look like. But had you kind of moved on from from the sport in your own mind? Like, had you just kind of just put that part of your life behind you, or or were you still kind of kind of itching to get back to it in in some way? Yeah, you know, obviously it's a traumatic experience, and uh, you know, I, I raced for so long, I for like twenty years I was racing, you know, ten years professionally at the top level, and. Uh, be honest it was a bit of a bit of a relief 
you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of weight off the shoulders, you know, that you're not expected to be somewhere and do something for, you know, big sponsors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I did have a young family uh, at the time. And, you know, you know, just getting used to regular life again was uh, a job in itself. So, um, you know, I did step away from the sport, even kind of like... Obviously, if I was still involved, I, I think I, I just would miss it so much that mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be around it. You know, just seeing the guys out there and wishing I was out there. So, yeah, definitely, you know, when I stepped away and, you know, just focused on, you know, actually my kids, really. Like, just, kinda just trying something new again, you know. I was, not that I was getting bored of the racing and stuff. It's just my, my everything in my life. But just, you know, just wanted to try something different and um yeah just raise my kids right yeah it's it's always an interesting it's very interesting to see when guys whether it's moto or snow who've been doing it like their entire life and a lot of times don't know anything else like how they kind of reintegrate back into a normal life and it's it really is a shame that that's how you had to do it blair obviously but i'm sure you look back and it was just you know so many core memories with your family that were gained because of it. And, you know, there's just so many things you wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, um, yeah, I'm actually, I was just thinking the other day, um, some of my, my best years actually were when my kids were, you know, around that 10 year old mark and, you know, having mm-hmm. fun doing, the, you know, cool stuff with them and just being here at home. You know, I was always away like mm-hmm. every weekend and, you know, missing missing them grow up and stuff. So, uh, I got to, you know, obviously had a, you know, pretty successful career. So I was able to take some time and, uh, not even work or anything, just focus on them and, you know, being there 100% for them all the time. Um, that was a, an awesome feeling for sure. I do remember seeing some videos back in the day though. You had got a, I think you got a Yamaha Rhino. And you were just ripping your moto track on a on a rhino, and it was like, yeah, he's he's giving it up, but he's not really giving it up. He, you you can't take that out of somebody. Yeah, no, I still obviously rode sleds, snowmobiles mm-hmm. all the time, and I you know um, got into side by sides and ATVs, which I never ever did before. I always just rode motorcycles, so it was kind of a new thing too. The whole ATV thing, and yeah, to ride sleds still, he's still. Uh, I'll get out. Got to get out and rip around. You know, that's something that I, that I definitely did not change. You know, <laughs> need that uh, throttle therapy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So another kind of key milestone, and I'm sure it wasn't even on your radar for a while, Blair. But in 2013, you are inducted into the into the Snowmobile Hall of Fame, which is is a great honor and you're you know you're you're listed among some really iconic people in the in the snowmobile industry as a whole i'm sure at the time you know looking back you were thinking yeah i i i I earned that you know i had the wins i had the success but i also know you're a very humble guy so did that come as a surprise at all to you or was it kind of expected at some point in your mind um yeah, I kind of, I guess, expected at one point. Um, I think you had to be retired for five years. Okay. To get inducted. Um, mm-hmm. Hence, you know, Tucker going in this year. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember being there for when Kirk got inducted. 
back i think we had a race in Brandon okay um, that one year so i was able to attend that and um you know obviously doing the one with me in 2013 and then uh and then just this past uh past winter going there for uh tuckers so which is basically yeah 10 years after i went in so um yeah it was pretty pretty cool event you know we did like a little uh a ride and stuff like that which was a lot of fun and um yeah the whole like everybody that puts it on the museum and everything it's pretty awesome actually yeah i've i've yet to 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 make it out there yet but i that's my i told my wife already that's that's my birthday weekend trip is we're gonna we're gonna head out oh, over nice. there and, and check it out so it, it should be fun yeah. it's it is funny though blair like you know looking at the entire the entire story as a whole of how you you never really wanted to do snow like it was never really in the cards you were a, a diehard moto guy and that's where the, the career aspirations were to fast forward and you end up as one of the the best racers of all time and in the in the hall of fame so it's it's not too bad for a guy who didn't want to race in the first place right yeah yeah i suppose you know that was kind of the thing is uh you know obviously it was cool to be uh, pretty good in the moto and um you know winning the canadian championships and then doing a few races in the u.s and doing pretty decent i think my best finish i think was a seventh like steel city mm -hmm. so you know even like a top 10 ama was pretty awesome but uh there's nothing like saying that you're the best in the world at something <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely so you know like i'd said earlier up until kind of that hall and hall of fame induction you had been kind of kind of on your own, just staying home and focusing on being a dad and not being too involved in the sport. But around this time period, 13, 14, 15, we start to see you appear at some more races, you know, working with Skidoo and just kind of showing up to hang out. Did that, that experience at the Hall of Fame kind of, kind of remind you like a little bit of, of what you meant to the sport in terms of fans, like just how much the sport appreciated you and, and missed having you around? Yeah, a little bit, you know, I obviously, you know, thought, you know, after I left, like everyone would have just forgotten about me and stuff and not really forget about me, but, you know, not be as popular as, as I was, you know, when you're on the track, winning races that day. Um, but, uh, you know, it's very humbling even to this day, like even last year, you know, in like 15 years since I raced and there's still people coming up and, you know, wanting autographs and, um, you know, the guys that grew up watching me they have kids mm -hmm. that are the age that they were watching me so it's pretty cool to see like the next generation and a lot of these kids they uh the dad probably had to bust out the vhs player and uh, <laughs> and uh show them what uh all the old races and stuff like that but yeah that is really cool yeah i'm i'm sure you've seen some of them but uh like i mentioned earlier isoc went on a on a tear like this last year of of re-uploading a bunch of like old wsa races from the early 2000s and i remember it was really cool to watch so um the blair morgan team very iconic just this huge skidoo logo on the side of your your revs and then you know a black hood after isoc put out those those races so many people this past winter had that in the graphic scheme like a retro skidoo logo on the side like just clearly emulating the blair morgan team so in my mind it was cool to see like even so many people who 
probably were, you know, in diapers when you were racing, still appreciating the history and all the stuff that you've accomplished. Awesome. Yeah, no, it is really cool. Yeah, I did see a bunch of different sled, uh, you know, um, liveries or whatever. And uh, yeah, um, actually, I think Thien and, mm -hmm. or sorry, not Thien, uh, Skillquist and uh, Woody's are going to have a, basically kind of try to do like a replica one of my revs or heydays this year. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's oh, gonna be that's cool to sick. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, one of the other cool stories for you here, Blair, is, you know, as you're kind of getting back into into racing and into the scene a little bit, you get the opportunity for adaptive snow bike at X Games, which was kind of the first time we'd really seen you on a track in a really, really long time. So I'm just kind of curious how that opportunity for you came about and, and just, just kind of how it went for you. It must have been a really cool experience. Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, I've, I was back um, you know, working for Speedo at the races and just being around everything. And I think it was Joe Duncan, I think at Heydays one year, saying that he was going to have adaptive snow bikes. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I'll do that. And then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was that was the end for me right there. So then I had a, a Yamaha team up in Canada here that mm -hmm. you know I, I knew the owner really well. And he built a bike for me. And just had everything ready and you know a mechanic and everything so it was kind of like a full full ride and uh couldn't say no to that and i it was kind of and like the snow bike thing was getting really kind of popular also and mm -hmm. you know obviously they had snow bike or sorry adaptive uh snow cross, snow cross. too but i never mm -hmm. really went into that and and i just something new again you know like mm -hmm. something that i never did before so i wanted to try it and uh we did it three years at X Games, and uh, first year was a bit of an exhibition thing, and mm -hmm. the last two was medal events. And uh, fortunately, I didn't get a medal, but uh, I was kind of wish I did. That would have been, I think, better than winning a gold back <laughs> back in the day for snowcross. If I was able to get a medal on the adaptive snow bike, that would have been super cool. Yeah, it was that. Uh, you know, it's obviously it's a it's a unique experience on that bike. But was that your is that like your first time on a on a dirt bike per se in since you got hurt or had, yeah had... it was like literally okay. like got to ride like a couple days before like the event in the mountains and it was the first time I was on a bike since I crashed so it was a good twelve years I think and mm. yeah it was pretty cool to get back on a bike I kind of wanted to do that anyways. And, uh, you know, to ride with guys like Doug Henry, who was mm -hmm. at the event, that was like another reason why I wanted to go. And, uh, yeah, I just thought it'd be a cool event and just to be at X Games again, that was always awesome. That was always a great time. And yeah, I got to ride a little more, obviously I rode it as a dirt bike in the summer, just to kind of get used to it and then, you know, and I don't know if you've ridden a snow bike, they're not the easiest thing to ride. Too, no, so. absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty weird. I rode one before, you know, I got hurt back when they first, first, first came out. And, you know, they, they were a bit weird and odd, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's nothing like a, a, a motorcycle. You kind of almost have to separate the two and, you know, realize that they're not the same thing. So mm -hmm. um, it was it was just a fun event to do. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So when you when you were riding it in the in the summertime, were you were you ready to to line up at Gopher Dunes where all the all the old juice is flowing and you're ready to get back at it? Yeah, almost <laughs> felt like it sometimes, but uh, you know maybe if I was younger. But ah, you know fair. I got to realize that I'm getting a bit older now, and you know I, I still could get hurt. You know I don't want to hurt my arms or anything like that. And I was starting to go pretty fast um, last time I rode my bike, and it kind of like. You know, I had to back her down a little bit, you know, because I was getting like fourth gear in the 450. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, if I went down, it would be ugly. Yeah, you had you had mentioned uh, Doug Henry a little bit earlier. And for anybody who, like, doesn't follow Doug, Doug on socials, like, the dude is just, is just an animal. Like, I've seen videos of him downhill mountain biking, like, in a cage. Like, I, some of the stuff he does, I would get hurt as a fully able bottle person. But he does it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> he is a beast. He is a different breed, that guy for sure. He is awesome. And he's older than me too. So mm-hmm. it's not really an excuse of me saying that I'm getting older, but like yeah, well, when he won the X Games the last time he was fifty. So oh. um I was he's just uh yeah, like and he like hucks all the jumps and stuff and yeah. He's quite the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just uh, just a couple more questions for you here, Blair. Uh, I won't I won't want to keep you too long, but you know we kind of touched on it a little bit. But what's been the coolest part for you being back in the sport after all those years away? Like, what's been the thing you've enjoyed the most? Um, just uh, probably you know just seeing you know that I still make a difference. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, um, you know talking to our younger guys, and that's one of the reasons why Skidoo kind of wanted me back too. Is, you know be a bit of a mentor and you know ambassador for for the riders and the sport and it's been kind of cool obviously seeing elias winning the last five years um and then all our other riders you know and pro light and uh, jordan and in the sport class with creighton um yeah just seeing how well those guys are developing and you know uh you know just Try to help them out whenever you can, and and uh, it's pretty cool to see a bit of uh, work still, still uh, helping. Yeah, it's it's cool to talk to to retired racers who you know they're they're competitive. They're still competitive in their own mind. It's just not on the track, you know, as a rider anymore. But like, you know, I talked to talked to Lincoln Lemieux. I've talked to Danny Poirier and all these guys and they're just like, you know, I almost get more fulfillment now out of coaching and seeing somebody else succeed than anything I ever got from my own success racing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you kind of get the same feeling. And, uh, even like, like race days, like when I'm like going to the track, I almost feel this, like I'm going racing, you know, I got mm-hmm. like butterflies in my stomach and, you know, I'm, I'm worried for like our guys and, um, yeah, it's still like I'm like lining up with them or something, you know, like <laughs> but I'm I'm sitting in the crowd. So um yeah, it's a pretty cool feeling. So you mentioned a couple uh couple big names that you have in the in the Skidoo paddock right now that are top guys and seeing a lot of success, but you know, do we feel the sports in good hands moving forward? And who's your favorite rider to watch these days? I I think the future is really bright you know obviously we've had um not many pros you know like mm-hmm. with uh, near, nearing the end of the season you know a few of them getting hurt and, and uh you know you know we barely have 15 pros but like you look at the other classes 
pro light class like that is super exciting mm-hmm. and uh you know in the sport class in the sport light like there's a lot of good riders in all those classes you know um like really really good riders that i'm really excited to see some of these guys go into pro obviously jordan being pro next year you know that's going to be pretty cool you know elias has kind of you know been the top dog you know for a while and he might have to work a little bit harder now yeah no it's it's gonna be a good season yeah i've it i've joked about it a little bit but you know i i grew up on the east coast of the of the united states so i remember my first race when i was like 17 jordan labelle was like eight he couldn't even touch the running boards but he was you know whipping his sled and doing big triples and things like that so seeing him now as like the top guy and moving into the pro class you talk about you feeling old blair that that just makes <laughs> me feel so damn old yeah yeah i remember seeing jordan when he's little i think he had like little blocks on like the mm-hmm. running boards so he could like touch like that's how small he was and yeah, i seen him you know and he would like go and win you know like not the pro class but like pro light when he was just tiny mm-hmm. yeah so it was pretty pretty funny to see up in valcourt but uh yeah to see him you know, evolve through and and now you know he's gonna be uh on the top guys next year that's for sure so uh last one for you blair are we gonna see you at heydays are you gonna be around or are we gonna see you at the first snow cross yeah no i'll be at heydays yeah definitely you know i haven't uh going back to those obviously all on like the races and uh yeah that's like right around the corner basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's coming up it's coming up fast i get i get excited for it every year and it's kind of in the back of my mind until it's like three days away and then i'm like oh shit that's (laughs) i got a plan to to hit that up so yeah hopefully i run into you there blair I'll, i'll make a point to try and track you down if you're not mauled by a crowd but uh yeah i look forward to look forward to chatting with you there all right, yeah, no, I'll be uh, around the ski booth somewhere probably. So, yeah, come and say hi, and we'll have a chat. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll wrap it up here for you, Blair. Again, I, I really appreciate the time. Super, super cool, and it, it honestly, it is it is an honor to be able to chat with you just because, like I said, grew up watching your ride. You inspired, you know, not only myself to race snowcross, but an entire generation of people who, who love the sport. So, um, super stoked to have you back around and extremely grateful that you joined us on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. No, it was, uh, like you said, you sent me that, uh, you know, list of questions and that, and that's like one of the most thorough, uh, questions I've seen out of any of these podcasts that I've done. So yeah, good on you. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Blair. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Blair Morgan on the Carbide Podcast. What a guy. As fast and talented as Blair was on the track, he's equally or more down-to-earth and humble. Much of my family are fans of traditional stick-and-ball sports, and the biggest selling point I always have for the world of motorsports is that our heroes are not 24-7 celebrities that are hidden away from everyday society. They're regular people, avid enthusiasts, and will always give you the time of day if you run into them or even reach out on social media. You just don't get that outside of our world. Huge thanks again to Blair for offering up his time. Having him on the show was kind of a maybe someday type of goal, so having the opportunity was not something I took lightly. Thanks to all you listeners. Hopefully you enjoy this interview and check out some of my previous ones as well, and join us in the future as we continue the cascade of content. Be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, 
tell your friends, and as always, take care. <laughs>